righteousness of God, for the Word of God. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5, and we're going to read here at verse number 15, here once again, and we are uh, looking to, I'll say it like this, I'll do my best uh, to uh, bring this particular uh, train of thought that we have been on here for a few Wednesdays uh, to a Uh, conclusion on this particular point that we're going to be looking at tonight, but uh, our sermon series has been on the walk, which is indicative of or speaks of our relationship with God, but the walk, the wisdom, and the will of God, and uh, we have been taking a look over a couple of Wednesdays in regards to this particular subject. And I know some might say, where does this fit in within the church? Well, let me say, it has a very rightful place and it fits perfectly. Because never, I don't know, and, 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 and as long as there's been humanity, and as long as we in our humanity have acted out in our sin... There's always been foolishness, and we are, have been looking on the subject of foolishness, and the reason why we have spent some time on foolishness is because the Word of God here, and we're just going to read this, and then I will finish this little introduction. Ephesians 5 and 15, if you're there, won't you say amen? See then that you walk circumspectly. We have defined that. It simply means look around, pay attention. It speaks of prudency. It speaks of the fact that there are those who are making decisions, understanding there are consequences down the road. So walk circumspectly, and then it says this, not as fools, but as wise. And so as we are transitioning into the wisdom of God, I felt it important that first, how can we wholeheartedly really seek the wisdom of God or really know His wisdom without first coming to terms with and allowing Him to deal with our foolishness? If we don't recognize our own foolishness, And if we are comfortable with that, if we embrace that, friends, we will not pursue godly wisdom. We just won't. And so I believe the Holy Ghost has been trying to deal with us in regards of what are some of the things that negate foolishness. And we could preach a list of several miles long, but we have have highlighted some specific, some specific things. We have talked about foolishness comes in the act of rebellion. Rebellion is foolishness. When a man believes that he knows what's best, when a man believes that there's nothing that he needs to be told, that there are certain places in, the, in his life that God really don't need to be involved in, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God We have also covered the fact that foolishness is linked to immaturity. When we are unwilling to grow, 
when we, as Paul, or I'm sorry, as the Lord said to Saul on the road of Damascus, how long will you kick against the pricks? How long will we fight? How long will we be foolish? How long will we just be satisfied with where we are and, and not be willing to grow? We've been dealing with that. We, we touched basis again on the subject of immaturity last Wednesday. And tonight, with the Lord's help, I would just like to uh, speak on this. And I ended with this, uh, kind of introduced it last Wednesday. And I want to address some specifics of this tonight. And I just tonight would like to preach along the lines on the foolishness of feelings. The foolishness of feelings. And uh, pray the Lord and help us. Amen. In regards to this tonight, would you help us to pray? Father, once again, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the privilege to to come together in your house for every heart and life that is represented. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would guide us and direct us by your spirit. Your word declares that the spirit leads us into all truth. And Lord, we're looking for the truth of your word. I pray that you would anoint our hearts and ears. Lord, my, minds and li- my mind and lip to- lips to preach. And Lord, we want you to be glorified in all things that are done and accomplished in this house tonight. And we thank you for it. And truly, we do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. As we look here In Ephesians 5, and as we have covered, there's three distinctives that we walk in. We find we've been commanded to walk in love. In Ephesians 5, going up to verse number 1, we walk in love. We are commanded to walk in light. We are commanded to walk circumspectly. And in regards to this, we find with the idea of walking circumspectly, paying attention recognizing the times around us to awake out of sleep. We find these commands are given to us as God's people. We see and know that uh, now knowing the time, the Word of God is always calling God's people to recognize the time and the seasons that are going on around them. As a matter of fact, we come to understand that the disciples, Sister Janie, and their desire to know of when the things that Christ spoke of would come to pass. They would use the terminology and say, when will your kingdom be established? When are these things going to happen? And Jesus would begin to deliver unto them, Brother Christian, the signs. The signs, the seasons of what we are looking for. I agree with one preacher who said this. He said, the signs of the time, when we use that term, the signs that are pointing to the return of the Lord Jesus, the signs that are pointing to the fact that our time is short, that work must be done. Jesus said we must work while it's yet day because the night comes when no man can work. And as we look at these things, we find that there is challenge. And this preacher had made the statement. He said, the signs of the time is not for the unbeliever. And he said that, and the fact is that the unbeliever, one who does not believe on God, is not looking for him. 
One who does not live for God is not living their life in the realm of understanding that eternity is near. And therefore, Brother Pickens, living in blindness, not paying attention to what's going on. But for the believer, rather, understanding that we as the church were looking for and hastening to the coming of the Lord Jesus. And so, therefore, when we see these things as Christ had declared, Brother Willie, he said, look up because your redemption draws nigh. When we look at these things, we find the church is constantly called to pay attention. Not only to the signs and the seasons and the times that are around us. But I also believe that we find that there must be a real paying of attention and taking self-examination of what is going on in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, am I behaving in a way that honors you? Lord, do I conduct my business in a way? And when I say business, how many of you have ever talked with somebody? You could talk with them about the Lord. You could speak with them about their salvation. And they will tell you, Brother Gary, very quickly, especially if they're wanting to shut you down, they'll say, "Uh, that kind of stuff is my business, and I'll take care of that kind of business, right? You just leave me alone with that. I've heard people all the time, Sister Cindy, they'd tell me, they'd say, well, you know, I know that y'all preach this or believe this, but the one scripture they can quote, they can quote a couple, one of those being, judge not that you be not judged. Anybody ever heard that one? Has that ever, I mean, if there's anything been uh, beating a dead horse, it's been that one, right? Taken so far out of context, Right? And so they love to say, judge not, that you be not judged. And then the other they love to say, well, the Bible says I'm working out my own salvation. And also, and thank you, Sister Polly, because I'd tell them, I'd say, there's a little more to that verse. It says, you work it out, but you better do so with some fear and trembling. Amen. With the reverence and respect, because what's going to happen, we are all going to stand before God. And as a result, it does not matter what grandma's opinion was of how it, was to, how it is to serve God. It doesn't matter. You could line up a hundred preachers and get a hundred different opinions and a hundred different messages and a hundred different insights. But at the end of the day, can I remind us that the one thing, the one thing that needs our life needs to line up with, and it is none other than the Word of God. It is our standard. It is our standard of righteousness. It is what we must measure our lives against. And can I say when we talk about self-examination, when we are looking at and hear the word of God out of this chapter is dealing with our relationship with God. Where does it stand? What does it look like? How are we to be? What is God calling us to? And I believe, Sister June, more than ever before, this thing we are wrapping things up. Things are happening quickly. And I don't want to be caught, Brother Tobin, in a place where I have not paid attention to what was going on. Oh, we find it easy to pay attention to everybody else. We find it easy to find faults with everybody else. We can nitpick and pick apart and destroy and talk down about everybody around us who we don't think measures up or who's not up to our level or not up to our idea of spirituality. And I want 
to remind us, church, is that it first starts. I believe the old songwriter, he knew it best when he said, it's not my brother, not my sister. Oh, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Hallelujah. It is me that must examine. It is me that must open the word of God, that sword of the spirit. And I know I'll be first to admit, amen, that uh, some of these messages have been, uh, you might think, well, pastor's just been on a tangent. He's feeling a little bit sassy. He just wanting to poke and stab at us a little bit. That's not the case at all. Here's what I want you to know and what I'm trying to convey is when we get into that word, oh, that word is a sword. And Brother James, that sword, it pierces into the bone and the marrow. It scrapes in the places of the heart. Amen. Can I tell you with the same precision, oh, the, the same precision, precision as, a, as a scalpel or a laser beam that gets into, a, into the heart of a man, into the body of a man to, to extract something, to take something out. That's what the Word of God does. Can I tell you, that's why, that's why we need the power of the Spirit of God. That's why the blessed third person of the Trinity needs to be at home in this house. The precious Holy Ghost. Amen. So he can go in and he can reveal. And the word of God can begin to cut out. And begin to deal with as we examine. Sister Gwen have been talking about these scans and these things that are going on. And they will do a PET scan. They'll scan your whole body. To see if there's anything that shows up. And can I say that when we get into the presence of the Lord, it is like and it should be like and done to a, a spiritual pet scan to say, and our prayer has been, Lord, what do you see when you see me? What is it that I can improve upon? What is it that will help draw me closer? What needs to be taken away so that I might be closer to you? That's not an easy look. That's not easy to do. I'd shared the story once before. A friend of mine said that he was getting ready on a Sunday morning. While he was getting ready, he was getting his hair combed and he had shaved and he had got his suit out of the closet. He was getting ready for Sunday morning service. He said, boy, I was, I was singing and I was getting my worship on. I was getting ready. And he said, there in my bathroom, he said, we had some soft light. And he said, that soft light was on. And he said, I'm in there. And he said, I'm kind of looking. And I said, whoa, whoa you, you're looking sharp now. You're looking ready for church. And he said, I, you know, I thought, man, I'm just looking, looking pretty snazzy today. And he said that as he came down uh, from the bathroom and he was coming down the stairs in the house, uh, he said in those uh, up above the stairs, they had three windows where natural light came in. And he said his wife had a mirror that hung on the wall opposite of the stairwell. And he said he stepped down and he thought he'd take one more look in the mirror on his way down. But this time, Brother Christian, it wasn't soft light that could hide a multitude of sins. Come on here. I know the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins and so does soft lighting. Come on here. A buddy of mine, he grew his beard out and he was getting a little length to his beard. He's trimming it up. Brother Chris, he said, he said, my, my, my beard covers a multitude of chins. Amen. That's what he said. I said, I never heard it explained like that. But 
Anyhow, he, he said he came down those stairs and he took one more look over in the mirror and he said all of a sudden, he said it wasn't that soft light but that natural light. And he said right there revealed in that natural light, he said I had his paws and he said I wasn't paws because I thought I looked so good. But Brother Willie, he said that natural light, it revealed some flaws. It revealed some fine lines and some wrinkles and some crow's feet and, and all the things. And he said, oh my. He said I went from one place, Sister Shan, thank and I was looking good. He said, until I got, listen here, unto the light. And can I say, we in the same token, we are living under mir in a mirage because we have, the world has learned, we can dim the lights and we can turn it all down and we've got our sophistication and our opinions and our reasons. We've got our motivational speakers and we call them preachers and, and we got times where there's prayerlessness in the church and we got programs we substitute revival for programs and all this stuff. It's just walking in soft light. But when the Holy Ghost is in the house, when the Spirit of God is moving, Brother Danny, it's a light of God's Word. It's a light of His righteousness. It's a light of His holiness. And it'll reveal who we are. It'll reveal. That's why I say it's not an easy look. It's not an easy look. Any man that looks in the mirror of God's word doesn't stand and admire himself. But it sounds more like Paul when he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death. Come on here. But I'm thankful that even when we see these things and the Holy Ghost reveals these things, I'm glad we don't got to stay that way. Amen. Can I just, can I, can I proudly report to you, Brother Josh, we ain't got to be in a place of hopelessness and think that there's no hope of any change, but the Holy Ghost shows up to deal with and He regenerates that man. And as a result, we're looking here because we've been talking about the subject of foolishness. The Bible, and I don't want to say too much about wisdom because we're going to be going into that. But the Bible does declare that we are to be as wise as serpents. And as harmless as doves. We find that God's people are called to a place of wisdom. And so we have, as I said, in order to embrace wisdom fully, I have to get past my foolishness. I have to understand that what I think is best, what Jacob's opinions are, what I think is right, it has to be put under the blood. It's got to be measured against the word. I've got to deal, Brother Chad, with this rebellious man and this rebellious flesh. I've got to deal with my immaturity, where I am the one, where I'm dealing with offenses, where I have a skewed view and perception where I am foolishly walking in things that are not glorifying God and yet I'm embracing them. But the whole time it is killing me. It's killing my spiritual man. Such things are foolishness. Rebellion, immaturity, and talking tonight about feelings. First, let me give you this disclaimer. I'm very much aware that God put into us feelings and emotion. He did. He created in us the ability to feel and sense and express a multitude of emotions. 
happiness, sadness, exuberance, sorrow, grief. As a matter of fact, just to reiterate this fact, we find that Jesus himself had reminded the disciples, he said this, he said, be angry. It's a real emotion. It's a real feeling. He said, be angry. But, again, that's one of those things that there's more to the story. He said, but sin not. In other words, what does it mean is that, yes, in your humanity, there's going to be emotion. You're going to have times of anger. You're going to have times you feel frustrated. You're going to have times you're down. You're going to have times you're flying high. All of these things. But yet we come to find what Jesus was saying when he said, sin not, is that there has to be a governance, a temperance with our feelings. Temperance is a what? fruit of the spirit and so we must put ourselves in a place when we talk about subjecting ourselves to righteousness subjecting ourselves to Christ it is when we say brother Chad Lord you know I'm in this body you know how I feel today but I do not have to let those feelings be the overriding factor in my decisions, in my living, in my words, in my actions. You see, oftentimes we will preach and shout from the rooftops, Brother Craig, about, uh, oh, well, boy, the Spirit of God. And, and you've heard me say, we'll get excited, oh, we're speaking in tongues. Oh, we're shouting around the church. The glory of God. Don't get me wrong. You know I'm a shouter. I'm a letter outer. Amen. Ain't got anything to make no apologies for it either. But all is in vain. I can speak in tongues all day long. But if the Holy Ghost doesn't control my tongue, We can talk all day long. We can say about how much we study the Bible, how many prayer meetings we attend, how many songs we got memorized out of the hymnal, all the talents that we might possess, all the messages that we might preach. But friends, if we don't possess the Spirit of God to help to govern and to keep this flesh under subjection and we are led and we are directed and we are operated by our feet, Feelings, we are foolish. We are foolish. Let me mention a couple of things here about our feelings that are that are foolish. Things that are foolish about our feelings. First of all, let me say this: is that feelings are fleeting. They are fleeting. In other words, they are temporary. Have you ever? Had, don't raise your hand and don't look at your spouse right now. Every married folk, just look at me right now. You ever, ha you ever had a mood swing? Huh? <laughs> Have you ever went from one moment, I mean, it's just, oh, I love you. And the next moment, <laughs> Right? I'll tell you how quickly we can change our attitude. I mean, you can be having intense fellowship with somebody. Amen. You can, I mean, you can just be giving them the what for. And have you ever noticed the phone ringing? Hello, how are you doing today? <laughs> oh, bless the Lord, sister. Yes, it's so good to talk. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, it's not good. Come on. 
Boy, I mean, we can turn things off and turn things on. Listen, please hear me, church. Feelings are fleeting. They are temporary. That's why at times we have, especially with new Christians, we have, there's the struggles, there's the ups and downs. And I'm not just going to pick on new Christians. Even us seasoned saints, there are times we struggle because we can shout on Sunday, but we are down on Monday. Oh, I mean, it feels like all that we received, Brother Christian, on Sunday just ran out the door. And what are we using to measure that, Brother Josh? Most people would tell you you I just don't feel it today I just don't feel it today can I say friends and especially we as Pentecostals we love our feelings we love the highs we love all the exuberance we love these things but there is danger there is danger if feelings are the basis upon which we're building our spirituality I have met folks that just felt like every day all the time they had to live in that state of revival had to live in this position a frame of mind or whatever it's not real it's not human you're not a machine God didn't create robots you're going to have emotions and you're going to have feelings but oh can I tell you that when you shout on Sunday and hell is fighting you on Monday it's the same God that you were shouting over on Sunday brother Gary he's the same God on Monday there has to be something that stabilizes there has to be something that says I know I don't feel it today but what is true what is real God you are true and your word is real and no matter how I feel today your word your promise and your power will lead me through this come on here we have found where there is instability in the church instability It is hard, it is hard to find those who can be dependable and faithful to serve because they are governed by feeling. The Word of God says this. It says that a a man, a double-minded man, listen, a double-minded man, is unstable in what? All of his ways. It affects every place. In all of his ways. He is, he is like the waves of the sea. Driven to and fro. He's just tossed about. And there are some that may be even here tonight. That you would say, well brother Jacob, my emotions are attacked. My feelings are attacked. And I know those attacks are real. But we do not have to fall into the pits of despair. We do not have to throw our hands up and say it's over and God don't love us no more. We have to, can I say, is that we have a whole generation who is looking for something that they can feel. That's why the church now, every Sunday... It's half Nicole. 
create some kind of new environment, some kind of new entertainment, some kind of new special effect so that somebody can feel something. But what we need is what the old timers had. And the old timers said, it's not about what I can feel, but give me something that I can believe in. There's going to be times it's like rain coming from heaven. And then there's going to be times we're walking in the wilderness of the heat. Come on here. Everybody gets nervous when things get a little bit dry, when there ain't enough hooping and hollering and carrying on. Come on. When sometimes Brother Jake preaches and he coughs out some dust. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord. We're missing it now. We all going to die. So-and-so ain't been shouting in a while. So-and-so, have you noticed? Have you noticed lately? Have you noticed how the church, I mean, it's just, it's just not the same victory temple it used to be. Have you just noticed? I mean, boy, we're in a dry spell. We're just all dying and going to hell. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. Come on. Why do we go to such theatrics? Why do we go to, I mean, to such things? Give us, just, just give me five of you. Just give me five that'll say, you know what? I'll be honest, Brother Smith. We're all a little dry. We all been in the desert. We all been fighting some stuff. But you know what I'm going to do? When you don't feel it, Brother Gary, you still get dressed and come to the house of God. When you don't feel it, you still open your voice, your mouth, and sing the songs of Zion. When you don't feel it, you say, well, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to raise my hand if I don't feel it. I'm not going to do that. Well, can I tell you, you'd be surprised that you dig down that shovel and you strike water when you're lifting your hands, even when you don't feel like it. You're paying your tithe when you don't feel like it. You're showing up to prayer meeting even when you don't feel like it. You're showing up on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night when you don't feel like it. Just give me five folks that'll say even if I don't feel it I believe him. My feelings are temporary. But God you are eternal. You are eternal. My feelings are fleeting. They are fleeting. They are momentary. Somebody once said their favorite scripture was this too shall pass. If you're riding high spiritually, this too shall pass. If you're down in the dumps, this too shall pass. Come on. Amen. Our feelings are temporary. That's why it's foolish. Listen. Our feelings are fragile. They're fragile. Just as finicky as they are, as they are fleeting, they are as unstable as water. They are unstable as water. I put here with fragile, not, sal not solid and not sound. Not sound. We tend to base, and I made mention of this a service or two back, is that we tend to say, well, this is how, what my, my heart says this. And you've heard pastors say this a lot. Don't get wrapped up in what your heart says. Jesus said, not the preacher, Jesus said, your heart above all things is deceitfully wicked. Deceitfully wicked. And we have to understand that often our basis of our feelings, 
they are accompanied with happenings that are going on around us. I can feel good in the moment, but if I sit and watch any newscast for 30 minutes, I'm depressed. Just like that, it changes. Did you know, are you aware that the, the things and the nature of the world, did you know, let's just park here for a minute about the news and whether it's wars, whether it's politics, whether it's COVID, whether it's whatever. Did you know that they have learned in order to drive ratings up that what they want to do to the consumer who is watching their program is that if they can evoke fear in them and if they can get them frustrated. Come on here. We've got people, listen, this is why you've heard me say, I said it during elections, and I know some folks don't like it, didn't like it then, probably don't like it now. I told you, this pulpit will not be political. It will not be political. We're looking at the Word of God. We're looking at the Word of God. My hope is not in a Republican or a Democrat. I'm sorry, it's not. There are a lot of people, they perpetuate their spirituality with their politics. And I'm sorry, that is a wrong measuring stick. Hear me. Why? Because it is all centered around man. And it's a broken system. I don't care how you slice it, it's broken. And so when I'm saying this and why I preach that so fervently is because of this. Is because we have to understand that our thoughts and feelings, they sway and they swing. All these things, as I said, they're fleeting. But if, and I have seen it. I have seen where churches and family members and friends who've been friends and family for a lifetime, they get divided and destroyed over silliness because feelings got involved and feelings are unstable. We get driven by what we feel and we're making decisions. Let me say something here. And you've heard me say this before. It is foolish to make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Do not get called up in that. Do not get called up. Here's what I can promise you. In this great family of God, not only in Victory Temple, but the church worldwide, is that there's going to be times we do not see eye to eye. There are going to be times that your opinion is different than mine. If you were pastoring the church, you would do it a whole lot different than me. If you was running this or doing that, you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't allow this. You would do this, whatever. And if we're not careful, we will let all of those divisive thoughts and all those things dictate to dictate our presence. It'll dictate our investment. It'll dictate all of those things. And it is unstable. It is immature. It is rebellious. It is foolishness. It's what it is. And the devil, he don't have to come in and destroy us with a bunch of immorality. He ain't got to pump beer in your, in your house or throw cocaine in your face or, or tempt you with men and women and all this kind of thing. He can watch a church implode when there are people that are governed by their feelings and they're governed by their opinions. It is unstable. It will produce failure and it will cause a fall and great will be the fall. Of those who are governed by their feelings. Understand is that, well, preacher, you don't get it. You don't know how hurt I've been. You don't know how disappointed I have been. 
You don't know how betrayed I have been. You know what? You're right. I probably cannot, I probably cannot understand all places, but there is one who does. There is one, Brother Coleman, who was hated, talked about, despised, rejected, betrayed. Come on here. The Bible even says this about him, Brother Christian. We know he was a prince of peace, king of kings, first and last. He's eternal. He's a rock of ages. We know he's the day spring, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon. But the Bible also says this about him, Brother Marvin. He was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief. Hear me. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't base whether or not he would die on Calvary on his feelings? If that was the case, we'd all be in hell. Aren't you glad that he didn't serve based on feelings? He not only washed Peter and John's feet, but he knelt down and he washed Judas's feet too. We have to understand is that feelings, they are, they are not, what, it is not wisdom to base our decisions and our, build our foundation on our feelings. Listen to this, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4, and I've got to hurry. For the time will come, listen, when they will not endure sound doctrine. What's that tell you? There is a time, and I believe we are in the time, to where people cannot endure truth. Just not. That's why our churches are empty. And that's why, that's why many of our churches, they are looking for other things other than the truth. They're trying to draw a crowd. Let me tell you something right now. I would love to have this place packed from floor to ceiling. I'd love to have to run four services on a Sunday. I'd love it. I'd love it. But I'm going to tell you something. It's an uphill battle because people don't want truth. Don't want truth. That's why I believe the Word of God lets us know in these last days it is a remnant. A remnant who love truth, Brother Pickens. A remnant who will hold fast to God's Word. And so as a result of this, says they will not endure sound doctrine. But listen to this. But after their own lust. And the term lust there is not just speaking of a sexual term. Lust is what the flesh desires. That's what it boils down to. What I want right now. That's what it means. It says they will go after their own lust. And really you can interject there their feelings of what they want now. It says they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn their ears away from truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. So no sound doctrine. Brother Danny means no stability. And it means a generation that is lost. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. The people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and they honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So he said what they've done is they exchanged the doctrine. They've exchanged the truth of God's word for the rudiments of this world, the opinion of men, the traditions of men, the feelings of men. You see, if I stand in this pulpit every Sunday 
and I preach to you my feelings, you're just going to be as lost as a ball in tall weeds. You ain't ever going to find your way out of nothing. But when we point to the truth of God's word and we lay out the truth, the truth is what sets free. The truth is what draws. The truth is what reveals. It is our foundation. Let me read this quickly and I'll be coming to a close, Brother Danny, if you want to come. I want you to notice something here. In Romans, the first chapter, and I'm going to be reading a couple of verses here. It says this, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. Listen to this. This is what he's saying. They likened God to, they made images to him as to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, I want to pause here for a second. I'd made mention last Wednesday about the fall of a fool. When we are living our lives, Brother Allen, and we're, and we're doing things in our own right, we're basing everything off of our feelings, we're rebellious, we're immature, everything is substantiated upon how we feel, and there's no truth, there's no foundation. What happens is, is man quickly spirals out of control. They said they no longer worship the Creator, but they set up for themselves images. Come on here. Moses was only gone for days before that golden calf was produced. Hear me. Man, if he will not worship God, if he will not yield to truth, he will worship something. There will be something that will take that void in our lives. There will be something we will look to to fill it. There will be something that we will try to bow to. And he said that man got to the point that he made images of birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things and called those things God and worshipped creatures rather than the creator. And it says this was God's response. He said as a result, he gave them up. He gave them up to the lust of their flesh. He gave them up to the dishonoring of their bodies. Because let me say this. I know there are people, there are even quote-unquote religious people that will tell you how to become your better self. There is no better self in yourself. It still, Brother Jeremy, takes the blood of Jesus. It still takes the Holy Ghost. It still takes a life crucified in Christ. It still takes a man or a woman laying their life down on that altar. In and of ourselves, we are not good, Sister Sister, uh, you know who you are, Carmen. I'm sitting here looking at you. I went through the Rolodex in my mind. There it is, Sister Carmen. Sister Carmen, in and of ourselves, the Bible says this. There is none righteous. No, not one. You know what the Bible goes on to say out of this context of Scripture? Let me read this real quick. Tell me if this isn't a picture of the world we live in today. Listen. For this cause, next verse, God gave them up unto vile affections. 
For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. God said they got to the end of themselves and just when you didn't think man could evolve any worse, he said that even in their rebellion and in their lack of retaining God, in their lack of acknowledging the truth, in the climax of their foolishness, they even turn the use of the nature that God has given and turned it on its head. I know this world's got opinions and people would say that's not politically correct, but I'm telling you, it's right there in the Bible. And God said it's unseemly and it's unrighteous, and he speaks of it as a place to where there's the severe deprivation of humanity. I know that sin is sin, but I'm telling you, friends, what is being described here is the fact that man left to himself, nothing good is produced. It's foolish. And so tonight I pray that God challenge our hearts in these last few sermons that we've been preaching on foolishness, the rebellion of it, the immaturity of it, the foolishness of our feelings. We've got to be careful. Because there are times we are willing to throw away so much based on a feeling of the moment. Based on the lust of the flesh. Based upon what's going on in the heat of that instant situation. I pray God let the Holy Ghost stabilize us. Give us temperance. Emotions and feelings are real. But they are not what we govern our lives with. That's the word of God. Temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. We must be led of the Spirit. Amen. To have self-control. That's what temperance means. Self-control. And we must rely upon the Word of God. That's our foundation. And so in a world that is constantly going by how they feel, God is calling the church that if we're going to walk in wisdom, we're going to have to abandon such foolishness. And we're going to have to submit ourselves to His Word. To his spirit. God show me your truth. And let me embrace it. Solomon said buy the truth. Brother Houston. And he said sell it not. Buy it. Grab a hold of it. Don't exchange it for anything. With our heads bowed. And our eyes closed tonight. Father. I thank you for your word. And Lord we believe and know that your word is precious. It's powerful. And I pray, God, you deal with us and help us. All of us can get caught up in foolishness. All of us can be distracted by our feelings. All of us at times, we have made brash decisions and we have said cruel things. We have been bitter and we've been backbiters and we have been hypocrites of the worst kind when we have been led by our feelings. Lord, we know you've put in us feelings and emotions, but they are not there for us to be governed by, to make decisions upon, to base our walk with God. 
But Lord, I pray you'd help us. Give us discernment in this hour. That is a gift of the Spirit. Discernment. Let us be led by truth. Let us look at the Word of God. Deal with us and draw us. And Lord, help us to be willing to die out so that we might embrace life. Let us be willing to cast those things aside and submit it to you so that we stand upon solid ground. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And Father, I pray you deal with us tonight. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. It's not what we feel, but Lord, what we believe. What we know your word to say is true. Tonight, church, if you'd say, Pastor, that's what I want. I want something that I'm believing in. I want the Word of God. I want the truth of the Word, not my feelings. Maybe tonight you came into this house and your feelings have you frustrated. Maybe your feelings have you disappointed. Maybe your feelings have you angry. Maybe your feelings have you sad. And, and right now, throughout this service, you've been wrestling with your spirituality because everything's being governed by your feelings. And tonight, the Lord is speaking to us. The Lord is dealing with us to grow, to mature, to be what He'd have us to be, to embrace wisdom, and we're only going to do it when we will forsake foolishness. If that's our hearts tonight, why don't we come? Can we come and spend some time in this altar tonight? Can we come and just say, Lord, would you challenge me, Holy Ghost? Would you convict me? Lord, would you draw me? Maybe tonight you'd say, Brother Jacob, if I'm being honest, there are some feelings that have been trying to dictate to me what I should be, how I should be, what I should be doing. Lord, I, I realize tonight my, my feelings are fleeting. I, I realize my feelings are unstable. I, I realize my feelings, Lord, they are, they are not productive in the sense they don't provide me a solid ground. Left to myself, left to my opinions, left to my own self, there is demise, there's a great fall. But, Lord, tonight I want to walk in your truth. Lord, tonight I want to embrace the Word of God. I pray, Lord, whatever my feelings are tonight, let it be overshadowed and overtaken by the truth of your Word. What do you have to say? What do you have to speak to me? Oh.